Horror Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail. And along the road, we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Miss Vanjie, Miss Vanjie. Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we break down the Rocky Horror Picture Show into the most itty-bitty tiny detail as possible, one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Leandra. And I'm your other host, Kelly. And today, we're going over Minute 60. Kelly, remind me, what happens in this minute? I'm so glad you asked. So, we see Janet on her back, continuing to enjoy herself. Columbia says, Creature of the night! Then we see Janet's hands kind of writhing in ecstasy some more. Then Rocky repeats, as he did at the beginning of the song, Creature of the night! And then Janet ends with creature of the night she gasps and then quickly covers herself up with the red sheet we see the elevator coming up to the lab riff and frank are sort of in the front of the elevator and brad is standing behind riff frank is now wearing a phenomenal leather jacket that we're going to get to in a second he has the cigarette i presume he lit up after deflowering brad and he is whipping Riff Raff with a big old whip. Riff Raff is yelping. When the elevator arrives, Riff throws the door open, lunges out, kind of falls on the floor, and yells, Mercy! Frank strides out, clearly furious, and whips him again really hard. And then he says, How did it happen? I understood you were to be, Whip, watching. Riff replies, I was only away for a minute, master. And Frank returns, well, see if you can find him on the whip monitor. Then as Riff kind of stumbles away, he hits him again with sort of a backhand whip and then stomps his foot. We see Brad look pretty concerned And then the monitor flickers on and we see a man in a wheelchair with an umbrella looking through, I think, binoculars, right, Leandra? Yeah, they're binoculars. And we know from the crim book earlier that this man is Dr. Scott. Riff says, Master, Master, we have a visitor. Frank and Brad join him. And then Brad leans, like, way in to get a better look and then says, Hey, Scotty! He puts on his glasses and says, ha, Dr. Everett Scott. He is so happy. He's grinning ear to ear. Riff replies, you know this earthling? Then Frank taps the monitor with his whip in sort of a warning gesture, like, stop. And Riff quickly corrects himself with this person. And then Brad says, I... That's the end of the minute. Yeah, he just calls everybody who he sees on that (laughs) monitor Scotty. I don't know. Maybe he does not know this earthling. I guess we'll see. Very, so much to discuss in this minute. The first thing that comes to mind is Riff is at the beginning in the elevator when he's getting whipped. He is giving three stooges. He's making like... And he's making Three Stooges faces, too, so I thought that was pretty funny. I do love that. Yeah. uh, In the commentary, Richard O'Brien said, 
Now, he actually whipped me here. He actually said that when he was down on the ground and Frank came and got him really hard. He said, he actually whipped me here. He caught me several times, but I didn't complain because I was a method actor. Uh, so I thought that was interesting because when I play Frank, I am very stressed about accidentally whipping any of my, you know, fellow actors who are on stage. But maybe I shouldn't because it's screen accurate and they should be method actors Nar. and not complain about it. <laughs> yes. Nar. I actually think it's fine. And you're wrong to Satan if you say I'm not allowed to whip people. Yeah, I, I think that we can disagree on this. That whipping people, not what I want at my show, um, or any show, really. It's not It's not the vibe, I think. I can think of some shows where it's the vibe. Not ours. Okay. But yeah, I, I thought that was funny, and it confirmed, a, like, I gotta be honest, it does not look like that is being faked. So, turns out, it wasn't. Well, I hate that, actually. There was a time many years ago that you were playing Brad and I was in the tank just sort of watching with voyeuristic intentions, but the Frank gave him one whip and then just kind of offered the whip to you as like, hey, you want to take a shot at it? And you're like, okay, well, and so you whipped Riff. I, I thought that was hilarious and I loved it. I don't remember that even a little bit and that sounds delightful actually. Yeah, that Frank is dead to us and hopefully actually dead, but I think that gag should be revived. Okay. God, how many dead Franks do we have? Lots, right? I don't know. Speaking of which, did Blake... Blake... You have, we haven't heard from Blake. Uh, no. No, I think Blake... Um, he He's not dead, though, right? We have no reason to believe that. That's what I'm going to go with if I'm asked. So we've done our due diligence to see if Blake's okay. I'm sure he is. Yeah, he's just not here. Okay. That's all we know. But yeah, I, I thought that was a great gag. and uh, Very very interesting to know that he was really getting whipped. No wonder he was making Three Stooges noises. Yeah, I think that that kind of reminds me of... I went to a a show at a different rocky cast in a different city and their one and only virgin sacrifice was paddling with cricket bats Ugh. and i i 100 percent just decided that that couldn't possibly be real so when they said all virgins come to the stage and anybody coming from another cast i just marched my ass down there with everybody else and when it came to be my turn even though I was literally the last person in the line and I just seen multiple people going oh ow ah that really hurts (laughs) I I just kept going man everybody's really selling this bit I'm like (laughs) really surprised by how good people sell the bit and then they're like, oh, you're the last one. We're going to go real hard for you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess I'll go, ooh, or something. And then they hit me. And I don't think I said anything or made any noise. I was just immediately angry and then bruised for weeks. 
I remember you told me that Oscar went before you and was shocked and went, guys, it really hurts. But of course you didn't take him seriously because he's Oscar. Yeah, I was like, oh, whatever. You're totally ruining the bit. And you're doing a bad acting job at it, too. Good job, Oscar. Way to ruin it for the virgins. Yeah, it was, uh, again, maybe not a thing I love for Rocky. So if you're if you're from that cast, and you probably know who you are, you're the cast that whips people, uh, know that I, I think that that is maybe not the same as getting consent from people, because I certainly wasn't asked for my consent for you to beat the shit out of me with a cricket bat. That's true. You know, despite the fact that we have seen him kill somebody, I actually feel like this is the angriest we've seen Frank. I can see that. I mean, keep in mind, he's spent some amount of time trying to build this man, and the very first time that he leaves this this creation alone, it disappears. I can only imagine if you created life and then your servant did a very, very bad job of walking, watching it, you would be angry. But so you it, decided like, to rely on Riff. Here's why you shouldn't. <laughs> Here's why you shouldn't have. Yeah, like, he is, like, visibly seething. And I actually just, like, this, like, shortness of temper and a lot of ev- other different... It, Frank is a complex character. Like, I think he's really well-developed. Like, he has these mood swings and everything in a way that feels very real. I I can definitely agree with that. Tim Curry is an excellent actor, and I think that one of the one of the benchmarks of good comedic acting is adding in that level of reality to your role because if you go too far in the just out of the realm of possibility direction then your comedy just goes too high and is no longer funny yeah well but and we get a sense that i feel like and this isn't necessarily true for every character in the film i get a sense that like i understand frank's emotional range like like i know what sorts of things would make him angry would please him like i feel like if i was at frank inverter's castle i would know how to appease him and everything because we get like i said such a strong and i do think it's at least as much tim curry as the writing i i can see that since this is the first time we see dr scott uh actually before we go into that because we will have a few things to say about that i noticed after it after the camera zooms out and you see Riff Raff, you know, with the monitor lever, he's just announced that there's a visitor. He smiles in a really interesting way, like he's trying to hold back laughter. I noticed Do you that think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this could of course have just been something that happened to Richard O'Brien on set and not intentional, but if it was intentional, that's very interesting to me. I wonder what the thought process would be 
like what what the conspiracy theory would be around it being intentional. Are we supposed to work under the assumption that Riff Raff or Magenta called up Dr. Scott and was like, hey, if you want to get to the bottom of some of this UFO stuff, then you should come to this address. And the reason that I think that that's possibly the case over come hang out with Brad is he seems, spoiler alert, very surprised that Brad is there. Yes. And I think, by the way, I thought Brad's reaction was quite strange as well. What? Hey, Scotty. Well, just in general, like, is this how you would... So, you're at a random castle in the middle of nowhere with aliens that fuck you (laughs) at a weird convention, and your high school teacher is outside? Yeah. This wouldn't... (laughs) Is this how you would react to that situation? I would, at that point, be certain I was in a dream. That's fair. He's just like, oh, hey, that's Dr. Scott. Like, as though they ran into each other at the supermarket. I, yeah. I guess that my response would be, okay, I don't understand why this person's here. Or Dr. Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just in general, be like, what the hell? You know, but, I mean, I guess they live somewhat nearby, but... Either way, I thought it was a strange reaction. Also, I don't know why it took him this long to put his glasses on, because he was clearly struggling to see, you know, leaning in and everything. But, yeah, anyway, back to the Riff smile. I just think he... It's possible that he somehow knew that Dr. Scott would come, but I'm wondering if it's more just he sees this as another step towards Frankenfurter's downfall, which delights him. I I hadn't considered that. That definitely is a really fun interpretation on that and gives more mm-hmm. more of a journey. I do like that. Yeah. So anyway, just just a little detail I noticed that I thought was fun. But anyway, we'd be remiss to not mention, since this is the first time we see Dr. Scott, I know we've mentioned it before, but this, in the musical, was the same actor who played Eddie. Yes, and as we've said before, Meatloaf was in particularly very upset that he was not also Dr. Scott. Yes. Strange time for binoculars, also, I thought. What's he even using them on? It's dark. Are they night vision? What do his elf eyes see? I know, and (laughs) and he's, like, not even really pointing. Like, if I'm understanding correctly the area where he is outside, like, he's just pointing them at, like, the front of the dark building. This feels a lot like if you watch Dora the Explorer or any of like the kind of stupid children's shows where somebody's like oh let's look for the thing and they pull out these gigantic like comically large binoculars and they're just 
looking around using their head <laughs> just as much as possible it seems like that is essentially what dr scott is doing yes and it makes me sad that i've never seen a dr scott do that in real life because i think that's absolutely hilarious that's true do you have any thoughts on our first our first live in the flesh look at dr scott yeah i i like that you at least see him a little bit i'm I'm a bit confused about how he's holding the umbrella. I think it might be attached to his wheelchair, maybe. I think it is. But he's also got the binoculars. I don't see where there's like a a little place for him to hold the umbrella over his head. Like there's no little like clamp or something. So I don't super understand that, but I do think it's good. Absolutely. So I have a few notes before we get into, I think, a lot of notes about a specific piece of costuming. Ooh, foreshadowing. So just kind of going back to the beginning of this minute, when we see that zoom in of Rocky's face for his second creature of the night, it's just so pervy, and I really hate it. Like... This is one of the few times that you really see Peter Henwood emoting in a character-driven way, and it happens to be a way that I hate. Why do you think it's pervy? He just has, he turns his head and he's kind of giving a bit of a a creepy side-eye sort of creature of the night. And I get it that this series of shots conveys that Janet is getting railed by everyone so yes he's conveying that he's railing Janet but I don't know it's it's not for me it feels icky or at least okay dumb I always thought it looked almost cheesy I didn't ever get that from it but I can see that I will say though in case I haven't said it before, Pillow Princess Janet is such a mood. Yeah, you would say that. Yeah, that is your favorite <laughs> thing to to comment about me, and it's it hurts because it's so true. <laughs> We've already spoken about one of the firsts in this minute. This is kind of a dumb first for me. This was the first time watching the movie that I actually noticed Janet's tiny gold hoop earrings. I know that they're there through just about everything. And I I knew that from research and through, like, screenshots. But it was during these quick cuts back to just Janet's face. And I think that there's just something about the light hitting that made me notice it better. It's one of those pieces of detail that it just... I knew it was there, but it never popped into my brain before. And the next thing that I wanted to ask about, we've talked a lot about how this elevator is supposed to fucking work. Mm -hmm. Who's running the elevator now? What do you mean? We've already established, I think, for the most part, that when the elevator stops and goes, there's supposed to be somebody like, pressing a button or or doing some sort of thing to make that stop and go 
and I have only I think I've only seen people pushing the button to make it go. Okay. I think I'm remembering at least Riff having a some sort of thing that he has to do to stop going into the lab scene and Janet at the very least has a very bumpy crash into stopping the elevator right before if only we hadn't made this journey so to me that kind of implies that there's maybe a better way to run the elevator (laughs) and they're just now getting to it perhaps I have no idea the the mechanics of this elevator have always been confusing to me I agree I will say well is there a call button for this elevator I don't see one right so how did it get back down there is my question. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's possible that it automatically goes down there, but then you could get stranded. So I think that this elevator may not work in real life. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> could that be because the room they're in is in fact in a different place and uh, I think just in a we we established it's just in like a basement, right? It's the same place with the pool. Yeah, I think yeah. that that is possibly the real. <laughs> that could be the reason. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you don't think Frankenfurter's castle is located like in the center of the earth. He's a mole man. <laughs> yeah. Next up, I know that several minutes ago in minute 52, I got confused and mixed up the pommel horse and the weight rack behind the elevator, but both are definitely in the shot now, and the weight rack, this time, 100%, definitely has the gift tag back on it. It's right there, so Sue gets to marry. Ha. Did they take the tag off? Remember... With that one, Riff does take it off for I Can Make You a Man. I don't remember that. I remember Rocky looking at it and I Can Make You a Man, but I don't remember anyone removing it. Yeah, he, t- uh, he takes it off, and then before he gets the weights, it just falls to the floor. And it's just like, he lets it fall out of his limp fingers. Like, oh, this no longer means anything to me. So by Riff, you meant Rocky. Yeah. What did I say? Okay. Riff. Oh. Uh, But, okay, that makes more sense. I was like, I didn't even think Riff was over there. But uh, I I didn't think he untied it, did he? He does. Uh, It's it's put on there with just a loose bow, so he just pulls it. Okay. Yeah. I also noticed that just in general they dress the set behind the elevator slightly differently each time I looked back to minute 52 when I went aha where's the tag and I noticed that the that the weight rack and the pommel horse were actually already there but the tag wasn't so I was just a premature Sumerier <laughs> I am irritated an unreasonable amount by the fact that nobody thought to spike the set pieces. To spike them? Yeah, spiking is theatrically when you put a piece of tape down so oh. you know where things go. Got it. Yeah, you would think, but no. 
and it looks like there's a stitch or something on Frank's fishnet thigh high on his left leg. And this is the first time that I've noticed it going through this specific rewatching. Surely they didn't have such a shoestring budget that they couldn't replace a ripped fishnet. One would <laughs> think that. But I I actually in looking up information on a particular costume piece saw a figure. I remember it was four hundred dollars for the show, which is nothing. Right. And then for the movie, they upped the budget. Sorry, I'm looking at the article now. $1,600. So four times what it was the stage show. But that's still not a lot. No. Okay. Especially for what they do. Apparently the corsets alone cost $200. <laughs> then there was the problem of the pool sequence. We needed several corsets so we could dry out. Well, one could dry out while the other was in the water. That's funny. I'll hearken back to that if we ever make it to the pool scene. <laughs> but but yes, I yeah, because remember, they had to dress the, as she said, several dozen Transylvania extras. I don't know about several dozen, but... Yeah, that seems high. Maybe. Maybe it was. There's a lot of people in that room, I guess. But depends on your definition of several, but... Anyway, that was a 1979 interview with... Patricia Morris Rowe that interviewing Sue Blaine I should say gotcha and also not if we get to the pool scene when we get to the pool scene because we are going to finish this no matter you what. just want to get tattoos I want to get tattoos Kelly I want to get tattoos <laughs> okay we can get tattoos yay so we don't have to finish um, I think we should finish. Okay, let's finish. Okay. Another first. This is the first time that you see a really good image of Brad's blue robe that he's wearing. You do get to see it thrown at him, and you kind of see it behind the the curtain in the bedroom. But this is, you really get to see just how pretty it is. It's kind of like a teal. And it's also so much longer than I always imagine it being. It reaches like just to the top of the socks. And it's got kind of wide sleeves that are not quite like wrist length. I'd say that it's maybe a three quarter sleeve. It's got open armpits. And there's, there are some embroidered daisies with butterflies on the front and then more butterflies on the back. And he finally, I guess, got some crisp white socks. He, he was able to switch them out or maybe he got his nasty white socks washed because they're not dingy yellow anymore. Brad seems like the type to travel with extra socks. Yeah, he just, I'd say he stuffs them in his underwear, but that seems <laughs> unlikely given how gigantic Barry Boswick's cock is. Yeah, well, maybe Brad's cock isn't so big. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, as we alluded to, though, 
this is the first time we see the leather jacket that Frank wears. And listeners, how excited are you to know everything about it? I know that I am. We're so excited, Leandra. That's what I, I like to hear. I hope that you spent several episodes talking about all of the different memorabilia and patches and pins attached to it. Several? I hope it's not more than three. Oh, <laughs> good good news for that person. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love our addition of eager listeners to our studio. Yeah. They're they're kind of the antithesis of Statler and Waldorf. They're just very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to break it down into kind of three chunks of information. And before we get into that, I did want to start out by giving some credit, at least for the research that I've done. I think that there's probably a lot of overlap with the the list of resources that Kelly has looked at, too. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. Just the hugest, most gigantic shout-out to Minna of Columbia's Closet for getting the majority of my initial info. And it's just kind of generally my favorite, one of my favorite costuming resources, columbiasclosset.blogspot.com. Other super rad folks and resources are Brandon Sutrina, Dave Spelling, Sean Anthony, and really everyone else who shared information on the amazing Facebook group, Rocky Horror, Frank and Eddie's Leather Jacket Badges and Patches. Just proof that there is a group for just about anything. <laughs> it's true. And of course... As always, Ruth's anal retentive Rocky Horror helped me out a lot, at least for quick reference of general details and photos that are easily accessible. Yeah, I, I can't express how amazing, particularly Ruth and Mena, have been for the entire community for so many years. Like, they are two of the most influential costumers for this entire community. Yeah, they are unbelievable. So, shout out to them. But enough about them, more about this jacket. <laughs> it's so true. So, today we're just going to talk about the jacket itself, not the pins or the badges. What info do you have? Okay. So, uh, quoting heavily from Ruth, this is a black leather jacket with many embroidered patches and enamel metal badges on it. They're mostly motorcycle themed. Like I said, we're going to go through every single one that we can see. So don't worry. <laughs> it zips up the front. It has a shirt style collar. It has a lot of round, flat silver studs, like the kind you would call nail heads, decorating the collar. There are some silver chains hanging in two loops under the badge area on each side. There's slash pockets on both sides outlined underneath with small round silver studs. Ruth says a dirty white string slash lace hangs down to mid-thigh from the zipper pull on Frank's left. 
At the left base of the jacket is a tab that could be snapped over the bottom of the zipper with a domed silver snap. Sleeves are vented with zippers and edged with black fringe. And I know Leandra will talk about in a minute about the 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 jacket, which I think you can still buy. But I know that you have to remove some fringe for that. But, uh, but they're... I, so I guess the original jacket came with more fringe? I don't know. Yeah, so the original jacket was by Lewis Leathers. And they are known for their red quilted lining. The style is the Plainsman number 393. And you can get it today for about 1,200 pounds. And that's that's a lot of money, at least for me, a podcaster. It is. It's not an unreasonable amount of money for a well-made leather jacket, of course. But you know what is an unreasonable amount of money? A small amount <laughs> is $152 plus shipping. And Leandra, what could you have for that amount of money? Well... Plus shipping, you say? Yes. Oh, we're still talking Unfortunately, about Unfortunately, the, the shipping is $1,200. Okay. <laughs> um, so what you can get for that amount of scratch is Halkin Leather worked with Dave Spelling to build out a screen-accurate and cheaper version of, the, of that jacket. And they even removed some of the fringe that you would have to remove anyway. So it is, it's cheaper, but it kind of starts out with a better shape for what you're going for, which I think makes it a much more achievable costume piece for many people. Yes. So anyway, that's what the jacket looks like. And... It is amazing. I am obsessed with this costume piece. I don't know about you, Leandra. I personally think it is the most interesting costume piece in the movie. 1,000% agree. This is so cool. I have a black denim jacket that I've been slowly kind of using the Frank jacket as inspiration for. I, mm. I'm not using the same types of pins because spoiler alert there are some that are I'll just say problematic we'll talk about that more in another episode <laughs> just a skosh yeah <laughs> and some are just like impossible to find now and also they're almost all about motorcycles a thing which as far as I know you are not interested in I am a dyke but I am not one with a bike correct that's a shame dykes on bikes are highly respected by me but yeah agreed wherever the real jacket is more on that in a minute it is a fabulous piece of history because it's got all of these really unique little details on it that came from all over different places you know 100 percent agree and really really cool piece if if I knew for a fact that somebody had this specific jacket and I had the money, I would I would absolutely beg to buy it from them. But at this point, they could just and, name their price. Yeah, I was about to say, they would say, 
No, because somebody offered me millions upon millions of dollars for it, probably. Yes. I think if I think if you could prove without a doubt, because there is there's some debate. I think if you could prove without a doubt you had the jacket and it was still in relatively the same state that it was in the movie, I don't know how maybe it wouldn't fetch a million dollars. I'm always consistently surprised at how little some of these things fetch considering like a magic card just went for two million dollars like a new one but but maybe it wouldn't but i think ew, that would be a very very expensive piece if nothing else i mean you could make a ton of money just charging people to look at it and take photos of it i will say that the mick rock book is i think the gold source for pictures of this mm -hmm. jacket and if there were other pictures, then that would just add to the absolute love and adoration that I have for it. Yes. But yeah, in general, I wanted to talk about the jacket, about its background both in and out of the movie. So first, in the movie, is this supposed to be like Frank's jacket that like he himself embellished or is this from one of I assume his many bikers that he's fucked is he like kind of like the girlfriend wearing her boyfriend's jacket I mean it fits him really well I know that's what I was about to say that certainly wasn't Meatloaf's jacket maybe Meatloaf's little stunt double yeah I <laughs> I would like to think that Maybe Frankenfurter is a dyke on bike. Yeah. And at least has cosplayed as as somebody who would have a motorcycle. That I mean, that makes sense to me. I honest I can totally see him riding a bike. He has some oddly butch qualities. He's very very interesting in that way. And also well, we'll get to this when we discuss something in the future, but I have a dubious quote from Sue Blaine that seemed to suggest that she believes that Frankenfurter chose these items himself. Oh, do tell. Yes. You just have to wait for a future minute when we talk about the patching question, but... But actually, speaking of these dubious Sue Blaine quotes, <laughs> I got them after desperately searching for any information in my normal ways. I thought to ask ChatGPT oh, no. <laughs> if it had answers to my questions, and it was producing, I'll just say this, it was producing information that lined up with what sort of my assumptions were sound like real Sue Blaine quotes and I don't know if ChatGPT makes things up to that degree but take it with a grain of salt like I said it is very dubious but until I can find the actual which apparently we're working on until we've seen actual interviews with Sue Blaine about this this is the best I got yes and here's what ChatGPT said this could be fake I understand that but it does line up with what I assumed. It, that Sue Blaine found this jacket in a thrift store. And 
she, you know, she really thought it would shape this unique and memorable look of the character. And it did not have the patches and pins initially. She added them because she wanted to create a distinctive, embellished look for the character and that she felt the customization contributed to the unique style of Frankenfurter. So, okay. ChatGPT does not cite its sources. I tried to force it to and it refused. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's true, but I did of course assume she found this in a thrift store. I have been also talking to some people who know things about motorcycle culture because I'm not sure if this is how a biker of that era would have decorated his jacket as well. And I've also been looking at some jackets from around the same time period. For one thing, a lot of them are from different motorcycle clubs, which actual biker clubs, that's fine. When it when you get to more of like the gang territory, you would not have multiple different represented because uh, that would get your ass kicked. One would assume, even yes. if you were part of one of the, I don't know if you know about the Disney gangs that... <laughs> Unfortunately, I do. Yeah, that that's absolutely wild. I am pretty sure that if you're repping another Disney gang, even, you're going to mm. have some sort of problem. I did ask one of my motorcycle correspondents, because there are tons of different motorcycle and even car... Another reason I think this is not a biker jacket, there's a Jaguar logo on it at one point, and I'm like, that's not really associated with motorcycle culture at all. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Sue Blaine just saw that Jaguar logo and was like, why not? So, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that an actual biker in the 70s put that on his jacket, and then it ended up in a thrift store, and Sue Blaine just found it like that. But anyway... There are a lot of different motorcycle manufacturers represented, and my motorcycle correspondent said, because I said, I would think that people are mostly loyal to one, you know, like you drive a Harley Davidson, you got a Harley Davidson patch or a Honda, whatever it is. But he said, a lot of people definitely are loyal to their favorite, but originally a lot of motorcycles were cobbled together from hearts of different bikes. So much so that several companies would team up and put their motor on each other's company's frame and vice versa. Oh, that's fun. So, it's possible that Frank has a motorcycle that is Frankenstein in this way, which I actually think would be so on brand and <laughs> hilariously on theme. Yeah. But no real way to know. I, I have no idea which way it goes with that. I will throw out there that I've asked ChatGPT to talk about why it likes Rocky Horror Minute so much and it will straight up lie and say that we've done so many amazing things that we haven't done but maybe maybe we will in the future yeah I I need to make it clear I am not arguing that ChatGPT is a reliable source just that it after scouring the internet, it has the idea that Sue Blaine bought the costumes that way. 
Which is possible. And it, it, well, so like I said, that's not the main reason I think that's the case. It just, it, it, it lines up with the theory I already had because I have not been able to find an authentic jacket from this era that looks like this. This looks very much like a uh, jazzy theatrical version of what one of those jackets would look like. And we, when we get into it a little later, when we start talking about specific patches, I've noticed that some of these types of patches really always tend to be placed in different ways than they are on this jacket. Uh. So that's my thought, but I really don't know. If anybody is like an expert on 70s motorcycle culture or anything like that, I would love to talk to you. Please get in touch with me, please. Yeah, absolutely. Email us at rockyheartminute at gmail.com. Or DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Absolutely. Or Twitter. And you don't even have to know a lot about vintage motorcycles if you were just one of those aforementioned, aforementioned dykes on bikes. You could just send a picture to us. You could do that. That is true. Perhaps wearing nothing but your motorcycle jacket so that we just so that we don't get distracted and can analyze the jacket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But also a helmet, maybe, because safety first. <laughs> I, I didn't think this picture would be taken while driving the motorcycle, but I guess it could. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Nude except for a helmet and a jacket, just taking a driving a motorcycle selfie. And boots. God, you can't, oh, you can't ride yeah. without boots. I would have thought you'd want the dogs to be out, Leandra. No. No. Due to your foot fetish. The <laughs> only person with a foot fetish that I'm aware of is Oscar. That is so true. Yes. And he's not here to to disagree. But not dead, as some listeners have recently told me that they believed. Yes. I, I think that it's important to note that when we kill off our guests, we're not actually killing them off not always yeah i'm so sorry to break the fourth wall a little bit with that gag but i just i don't want anyone else to be under the impression that oscar died and that our reaction was to be like lol perry uh, bedden killed him sucks to suck i guess (laughs) i would be inconsolable if i lost that little goofball yes it it would absolutely break my heart but he's quite alive yes Wearing out his knees somewhere as we speak. Yes. So, we have spoken a little bit about the jacket versus whether or not there, whether or not it still exists, what the provenance is of supposed originals to the movie, and I think that this is a good time to bring that up. So... Kelly, what does Ruth say? What do you know about the Oh, jacket? I don't I don't have any particular uh, particular information about this except for what you've told me. Ruth does not make claims in this area. The most she will say is the fellow who claims to have this jacket says this. Okay, gotcha. Like, she does not she does not weigh in on this argument. Okay. So at least that I've seen. The information that I have the fellow who claims to have this jacket, his name is Mike Scott, and he has said time and time again that he owns the jacket. He's taken a lot of pictures of it, and he is just very 
very sure that this here is the exact same jacket that Tim Curry wore in in the movie. And a lot of people over the years have just kind of believed that. There are several, however, who who bring that into question. And for this, I'm going to go ahead and quote Mena. And this is a comment on a, a Facebook post in that Rocky Horror jacket group that I was speaking about earlier. Mena says, I never thought it was the original, and I'm glad to share my evidence. In the end, the onus is on him to prove, not on me to believe it. If you look at the earlier photos he had on his website, the jacket had different patches. He's claimed that it was intentional, blah, blah, and that he had everything removed from the jacket so it could be cleaned. Seriously, who does that? Personally, I believe he just updated the patches as more evidence made its way. The Blu-ray helped, then Mick Rock's book, etc. And she has a couple of screenshots from the, the web.archive.org of moviejackets.com and what it used to look like and there are several other pieces of this that make it a little bit suspect like the zipper pull on the sleeve looks slightly different there's also the fact that there's just proportions with the uh, with the belt that don't look quite right the general condition of the Mike Scott jacket is just too good. And because of that, it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to believe that what Mike Scott says is the real deal is actually that. I for one don't think, based off of all of the information that I've seen about this, that Mike Scott intentionally is lying to people. I think that he probably spent a good deal of money on something and as he as he gets more information, he tries very hard to make sure that it matches what people assume would would be on it. So Isn't that just another word for lying though? Uh, yeah. I well <laughs> I know I understand we're not trying to start any any feuds here. I will say I find the fact I would be willing to say like oh who's to say Mina makes some good points but I'll give this guy the benefit of the doubt but he lost me as soon as he started saying I removed all the patches to have them cleaned and that's why they look different now. That what the hell <laughs> That is a that doesn't make any fucking sense, does it? It doesn't, and I think that's incredibly suspicious. Yeah. I maybe he believed it was real when he bought it. I'm not the fact that he made that he claimed that and that he seems to be changing the patches and and that that was his excuse um makes me believe that he must know now that it doesn't match up. Yeah. Um, you know, cause like, let's say like, if people had said this jacket looks different than it did before, uh, what, what, why do your pictures look different than they used to? And he was like, what are you talking about? No, it doesn't. Uh, then I would say, well, 
the pictures are kind of hard to go by sometimes. Like, he might be being honest, who knows, but they make a good point. But the fact that he admits that the patches have changed and has a very strange reason for it makes me have a really hard time believing him. Again, do not want to start any feuds. Hey, uh, if you want to, I don't know, fly us out to look at your jacket, I accept. Yeah, I, I will <laughs> gladly do that. And also, I know that I'm a big girl. I will even put on the jacket, you know, just to make sure that it feels like something that Tim Curry would wear. Just, that you is, know. I was just going to say the same thing. And actually, so that we know what a replica would look like compared to the real one, you could buy us some replicas. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, as long as you're going this far, why don't you also give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have any issue, Mike, with with what we've said about your jacket, feel free to let us know in a five-star Apple Podcast review. So... That's all that I wanted to say about the jacket for now. We will definitely now. bring this up again in subsequent minutes. But let's go let's go on to callbacks. Yes, let's. And I'll try and get through them quick cuz I know we are going really long because of said jacket. <laughs> so, when Riff's getting whipped and he yells, "Mercy, I have heard that's not the safe word." Uh, thrice he says master in this movie and therefore thrice I will always say baiting so nice. uh, but, but the funniest one for sure is I was only away for a minute doing what master baiting oh yeah you can even say doing what and then but also I do like the insistent like master baiting master baiting we have a visitor um Frank will whips riff right before he goes over to the monitor and then you can say your forehand's pretty good how's your backhand he whips him again backhand now and then people will say needs work which i don't know i thought it was a pretty good backhand when scott appears on the monitor i often hear it's mary poppins and she's taking a shit on the lawn Mary Poppins, of course, a re reference to the umbrella, and then I guess because of the way he's, like, hunched over, it kind of looks like he's squatted shitting. Kind of funny. Yeah. It's the funniest of the options there, I would say. There are several. What are the other options? Um, I know there's other ones that I just can't remember. There's there's some shitty ones about Nazis. There's also Screaming Timmy, like, Timmy. Like, from South Park. Oh, God. Which is just, like, not funny. What year is it? Right. Uh, when Brad says, Hey, Scotty! I love to say, Beam me up! This movie sucks! That is <laughs> <It's great>. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not a real callback, as far as I know. Not that it's super original. But something that I have always said, just from my own brain... After he says, uh, after he says this earthling and Frank corrects him and he goes, uh, this person, I always say good save, but I also will sometimes hear alien alert. Yeah. But I like mine better. That's it. Very cool. 
I have just a couple of other ones at the end of Creature of the Night. You can say, no fair, Rocky gets seconds. And <laughs> after Janet goes, Creature of the Night, it sounds kind of like the end of uh, the Shananas. So you can go, Shanana, and I still love Shanana. <laughs> and in the elevator, you can, in time to the whipping, go whip me, beat me, make me bleed. Violent sex is what I need. And I do like that one quite a lot. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah. I refuse to share an incredibly racist callback that took far too long to die related to the miniseries Roots. And that oh, happens in yeah. this minute. Surprise, surprise, the Rocky community takes a little bit of time to to grow out of maybe some bad habits but it is growing so give it that when frank says how did it happen you can say beats me but i got a hunch <laughs> right i forgot i really like that one and when you see brad you can go uh, and he has that kind of sad look you can go, he never beats me that way. And then finally, <laughs> then finally, for this earthling, this earth person um, is a line from the Rocky Horror Show. So instead of just saying oh. this person, you go, this earth person. I think that that's a fun little callback to the original Rocky Horror Show line. I also like that line better. Yeah. Agreed. It's much better. I think it's funnier. Yeah. But um, one very quick thing before we end. What was your out of ten stars, out of five stars oh, for Creature of the it's Night? It's out of five. <laughs> out of five stars. <laughs> what was Creature of the Night uh, for you? Is that the name of the song? Uh, what? I think it is. I thought it was touch a touch a touch me. Uh, let's find out. No, uh, mm, 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 mm. So it is. Yeah, it's it's touch a touch yes, a touch I'm me. I'm just on. So let me start that one again. Uh, out no, of five I like stars. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's leave it in. You're my. I'm your alpha. No. And, uh, no. I'm going to give. <laughs> I'm going to give this three stars and here's why i think the song kind of sucks it has not awesome lyrics they're fine magenta and columbia's parts are amazing and i find it very fun to sing as susan sarandon or as janet but not really because the song's good it's just like susan sarandon's vocal part is fun to sing agreed on all of that i would i would honestly give it a 2.5 though because i think that it's just like completely middle of the road for me i neither love nor hate this one it's fine okay well you don't have to go home but, but you can't stay you here. don't have to go home but you can't stay here so get the fuck out, get the fuck out. to the late night double feature Sure.
Hey, Kelly. Yes, Leandra? I've got something to say. I bet it'll sound better with stock Christmas music, so hit it! We at Rocky Horror Minute want to thank you all for your continued support when we needed to take a long break. That's right. Leandra needed that time off to become a tri-state yodeling champion, a thing nobody wanted her to do. And during that time, Kelly's boobs grew three sizes, just like the Grinch's heart. Aw, you noticed! We wanted to get back into recording so very much, but it was our dearest listeners who contacted us who finally brought us back. As a way of showing our thanks to you, we are sending out Christmas cards. Just send your address to us on our social media. Or via email at rockyhorrorminute at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for your kind words and encouragement over the years. Knowing that people are listening to us makes all the difference. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, baby. baby!